We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always joined on the show by my co-host here, it is Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners of Road of His. But Sean, we've had uh, fun the last couple of weeks with guests on, on our, our shows in the midweek edition, and we're going to do the exact same on today's edition. We teased it on Tuesday's episode, but we're very excited to have Danny Kelly off The Ringer on with us today. We're going to look at some college prospects some evaluation kind of processes and things like that but sean you're a little bit outnumbered it's two to one it's the first time we've ever had two kelly's on the, the road <laughs> of his ot podcast so uh danny welcome to the show thank you thank you i appreciate it uh my family i guess is from the cork county cork i believe originally like my ancestors not I, i'm a few generations out of Ireland <laughs> these days but yeah <laughs> i always uh, i always enjoy like this is me being completely honest. I could be in New York quicker than I'd be in Cork. So I, I'm from Donegal, which is in the northwest, and oh, Cork okay. ends down at the bottom. So it's about a six-hour drive to Cork, and it's wow. if I if I got to Dublin, it's about a five-hour flight to New York. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, but we are Sean going to talk with Danny today about some prospect evaluation and, and some things like that. So um, we're going to dive straight into it. Looking here at the NFL draft, we're going to keep it a little bit evergreen on today's show when we look through it, but prospect evaluation, when you look at some of the key traits for prioritizing in the running back position, what, what are some of those key areas that, that you're looking into? Yeah, I think so. Like the first thing that I really look for, you know, is just explosiveness, athleticism overall, just explosiveness, suddenness, um, agility, the ability to change direction quickly and avoid tackles, obviously. Um you know, I think that's like the first thing that you kind of look for is a is a bare minimum. If if they're slow, if their foot foot speed is not very good, I think that's just like it's just hard to win and and stick around in the NFL if you don't have that speed or quickness ability to kind of like shake uh, defenders in, in in a short area or whatever. So I call it like making guys miss in a phone booth, like the ability to just you know kind of like avoid tackles, not not necessarily break through tackles. I, that is a big plus, but just to avoid tackles and avoid you know, players from tackling them. So um, I think those are like the first things you look for when you, when you flip on the tape. And then I try and marry that with, you know, the analytics of it, the production, um, 
do they have like a baseline pass catching ability? Like, do they fight the ball when it comes to them? Are they constantly bobbling it? Do they have a lot of drops? All that stuff. Because obviously in fantasy, um, you know, pass catching is a cheat code. So I think just generally speaking at running back, first thing I'm looking for, explosiveness and suddenness. And then obviously we get to the part where we evaluate the prospects coming in and we, we don't know landing spots. We're looking at a lot of things, but let's say we're not looking at just the prospects coming in or maybe you want to do it with the prospects, but are there specific types of running backs you prefer then for your fantasy roster? So myself and Sean, we like, you know, if we can get those three down guys, that's obviously the dream, but Sean's known obviously for zero RB, which we try to get quite a bit of a pass catching element will be involved in that particularly in PPR leagues. Is there a specific type of running back that, that you prefer in fantasy? I think if you're talking about rookies um, when they're coming in, I usually gravitate towards like guys with more speed, the actual physical bulk, because typically speaking that that is just going to mean you have a better chance of sticking on um, in the starting lineup and actually playing. I, I do know that, you know, it's fun to find guys that can be in specialized pass catching roles, but I feel like the odds that they're going to end up with a major role on a, on a team are lower if they're smaller. Um, just generally speaking, like your your odds are greater if you're 210 plus pounds of sticking on a team and having a big role on a team. So that's generally what I gravitate towards, you know, er, especially early on in drafts, I'd say in, in rookie drafts and um, and in startup drafts, just guys that have the seat, the size to really, you know, have a big role with the team because those guys tend to have a better chance um and then when you get into later rounds like you can find those specialized guys that may carve out a role like a, J a jd mckissick style guy um but i think you're it, th those are more like you you're kind of trying to find a needle in a haystack i guess with those guys so you're just sort of taking shots on on players with that profile but yeah to me i gravitate towards guys 215 210 215 with good athleticism like i said good explosiveness um and just like the profile to be a starter at like a three down back like you said well danny it's so fun to to have you on the show here and danny and i are in a variety of dynasty leagues together and obviously he's so good at the rookie draft part at the devi part at the uh drafting before the nfl draft happens so great to have you on the show so that can help level the playing field in some of these <laughs> i know some of these leagues uh, I'm supposed to go to wide receiver here, but I do have more follow-up running back questions. So, I, I mean, I have to get this figure. You mentioned the explosiveness versus the tackle breaking, and I really love that because we do get so much focus on broken tackles. And I really like the guys who run to daylight, including the big backs, like a Jonathan Taylor. And one of the things that you do hear from time to time about people who are watching these guys in college projecting how they'll translate to the NFL is that those plays aren't going to be there because you have more athletic NFL defenders in the secondary, that type of thing. But I'm also hearing you saying that the ability to sort of miss the, or force the miss tackle in the hole, get to daylight, that explosiveness. I mean, it's easy for me to pick out Jonathan Taylor now, because it's kind of a win for somebody <laughs> who does have that big play ability. Yeah. But one of the things that we have with Rotoviz, is we have the advanced set explored has both broken tackles and forced missed tackles. I think those things complement each other and are both important. You're saying that you really like these guys who can force a complete miss, especially from college defenders. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, I do like guys who can break tackles. I'm not saying I don't like those guys, but I think when you watch um, when you watch a player completely like vaporize a, a pursuit angle, for instance, like even in the short area, like in the first 10 yards, he just jukes and he's gone 
Um, that explosiveness, that suddenness, that ability to change direction really, really quickly, I think is going to translate to the NFL a lot, um, a lot, not, not necessarily a lot more, but it's certainly going to translate to the NFL compared to a guy who can just like barrel through a player, you know, number one, um, I think tackle breaking, you just don't have very many players like Marshawn Lynch in terms of, or like a Javante Williams, for instance, like you can just like run through arm tackles, like churn through tackles. Um, I think those guys are more rare in terms of like their consistency and ability to consistently do that in the NFL, where um, I think if you can spot a guy that can just straight up make guys miss by either like going past their perceived angle or, or whatever, or making guys like Kenneth Walker comes to mind for when I'm talking about this, like his he's not necessarily like the most explosive or best tackle breaker, but he does do a really good job. I think of making guys miss in a phone booth in terms of um, quick jukes, really sudden like short area movement that just makes guys miss him. You know what I mean? Like they're coming in for a tackle and then they're just like grasping for air. So um, I think that kind of thing translates to the NFL really well. I do. I do want to be clear though. Like I like guys that can break tackles. Like generally speaking, that's a very good thing. Um, I guess here, here's an, here's an example. Like I, I brought up Javante Williams, like Javante Williams and Michael Carter are two different style players, obviously different size and, and different profiles or whatever. Um, but I think the Michael Carter style guy, those he can make people miss with jukes and suddenness in the short area. Whereas Javante Williams, he can do that too, but he's also a guy that's just going to like run you over and run through you and, and, you know, trample all over your body as he's getting into the end zone type of deal. And so, um, two different styles, obviously, if you have a guy like Javante Williams, he can do both. That's the ideal. But if you can't, if you don't, then you're, I think I'm, I'm like gravitating more towards, um, the guys with the suddenness and burst to, to make guys miss versus, you know, I'm trying to run through your face because those guys, number one, there's more of them that just play with that style. You can find more of those guys later in, in, in the draft. But number two, like, you know, you're probably not going to have a super long career if you're running with that style, generally speaking, unless you're very rare, like the Marshawn Lynch type, type guy. Um, so I don't know. I haven't really like completely tested out this theory, but that's just kind of like where my mind space is right now. And in, in terms of like what I'm looking for. So, you know, I, you know, I'm, I would admit that I haven't like actually tested it out and seen if it actually works, but that's just kind of like where my mindset is. I love that. And sort of dying to ask more Kenneth Walker questions, but he is going to factor into show two. So people will have to come back for that when the player specific episode, take us to wide receiver. What are you looking for in wide receiver? What are some of the traits that stand out to you as being important to translate? Yeah. So not completely different. I think quick feet suddenness are, are the first couple of things you, you sort of look for on tape the ability to change direction quickly. Again, it's like getting off the line of scrimmage, um, the ability to separate when you're at like the top of your, your route stem. A good example of this, I would say, is like a Justin Jefferson type guy. I really love Jeff, Justin Jefferson when he was coming out of LSU because he has the body control and foot quickness and ability to like change direction really quickly. He's almost like doing basketball moves. Um, I, I compared him like he, he has like a Euro step style move where he's like bounding in, in different directions, kind of like shake coverage. Um, that kind of ability to create separation either early in your route or late in your route, um, I think are, are kind of the first things I look for. Um, and so, you know, again, it's, it's similar, I guess, in, in the running back evaluation, but there's different styles, but like the quick feet suddenness, um, the ability to control your body as you're going up in the air and you're twisting and contorting to try and catch the ball. And then obviously, um, having 
at least what looks like natural ability to catch the football. I know that you can kind of coach guys to catch better and, and not all the best receivers in the NFL are necessarily like elite ball catchers like DK Metcalf comes to mind. Um, but you know, just the ability to like control, control your body to turn and, and catch the, catch the ball. Um, and then secondary to that, I would say like nowadays, especially the ability to run after the catch is something that I kind of look for. Um, especially when you're talking about fantasy, just because so many teams now are, are designing up ways to get guys in space so they can run after the catch. And so a, a sort of a natural um, athleticism in the open field certainly helps a lot. And I think that's sort of, if you're talking about this rookie class, the two, the two guys that are going to get debated endlessly are Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like Garrett Wilson has in my mind, good yard after the catch ability. Chris Olave, not so much, if that makes any sense. Like his play strength is not what you really want. Um, whereas Olave or sorry, whereas Garrett Wilson actually reminds me a little bit of Kadarius Tony and his suddenness, his ability to shake guys and, and create after the catch. He's also pretty, you know, small and, and slight like Olave. But I think that's where that's what separates Wilson for me over Olave, who is smooth and and very explosive down the field, but maybe doesn't have that like creating yards after the catch type type profile. We mentioned this yards after the catch. Obviously, everybody wants the new or the next AJ Brown. If you can get somebody who you know also has that before catch and, and touchdown type of ability, everybody wants the next Debo Samuel. I mean, he was just extraordinary last season and so good that now he may be more of a running back in some ways. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about some of the other maybe controversial elements within fantasy and within sort of draft projection where mm -hmm. we had JJ on the show. He was obviously awesome. A lot of fun. He mentioned that weight doesn't factor into his prospect model, but it does factor into kind of what he's looking at for receivers because he feels like the big guys are less likely to be pigeonholed into a role at the NFL level that yeah. is lower upside for fantasy. You know, we have the slot receivers, we have the possession receivers, we have the vertical receivers, and then we have the all around guys. I mean, we all want the superstar, but are there specific right. things that you're looking for or, and or specific things that you definitely don't want at the price that people tend to pay for them in fantasy? So that's a really good question. Cause I did jot down BMI, but it's like down the list for me. And it's, it's not necessarily like the most important thing. I think all things, everything else considered, if, if everything else is equal, I should say, like, then maybe you take the guy who's like, quote unquote thick because it's just probably makes sense to do that you know long term he's probably going to last longer and then if in the nfl avoid more injuries he's going to have better chance to body up receiver or cornerbacks down the field get off the line of scrimmage all that stuff like bmi does matter and i think um it's something to consider i don't know if it's like the most important thing especially with the direction the nfl is going these days you can have marquise brown type guys because you know, he can line up off the line of scrimmage if he if you want. He, he There's just not as big of hits in the middle of the field anymore. They just don't. They've sort of legislated that out of the NFL at this point. Um, so I think you can have more guys that have low BMI. The skinny guys in this class in particular is a bunch of low BMI guys. So I think it's going to be an interesting litmus test going forward. Um, but I don't it's not the first thing I would I would use. And I, and I have. And, and I, I think the, the results of like my drafts in the past, like I've got a lot of Marquise Brown. Uh, I took a bunch of flyers on Tutu Atwell last year. I don't know how that's going to work out clearly, but um, because he had a lot of good numbers, obviously in college, but you know, he's just so small. It, it's just like, I don't know if this is going to work out. So I'm, I'm 
sort of regretting taking a bunch of flyers, like third round flyers on Tutu Atwell last year, but <laughs> we'll see how that all works out. Um, obviously, he has the draft draft capital that is somewhat encouraging, but um, I think he might be like an extreme, extreme outlier there. So um, it, it, I think it's like a sliding scale. There's a spectrum. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, I gravitate towards thicker guys, but, you, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily eliminate like low BMI guys either. Uh, Sean mentioned earlier as well that you're in a number of dynasty leagues together. I, I know a lot of questions that I'm getting, you know, direct messages and that and some emails and for the show recently is around leagues that have their rookie drafts pre the NFL rookie draft. Yeah. What are some of the considerations, you know, Sean did hurt that trying to level the playing field. So I'm asking this question on Sean's behalf. So what, what are some of the ways that dynasty managers should be kind of trying to approach those sort of leagues? So in the pre-draft ones, they can be very hit or miss. Like I would say I've gotten lucky in a few of the leagues I'm in with Sean, but then there's also a couple of leagues last year where I was like taking Tylen Wallace and, you know, a couple other guys that just really didn't work out or at least haven't worked out yet. I think Wallace ended up being in the fourth round. Um, but generally speaking, what I'm trying to do, and I think what I'm decent at is predicting draft capital. Not Not, so obviously you do your, evaluation you figure out which guys you like you look at all the analytics like the pre-draft analytics and then you try and guess draft capital um and i think where i've had a little bit of an edge on on the pre-draft rookie drafts um is identifying which guys are going to be like first rounders second rounders and and kind of like trying to like take it take a stab at those guys like brandon Ayuk, i think is an example in the past where um i think dynasty twitter was a little bit down on on him because he was a see i believe he was a senior coming out or at least he was he'd been in college a little bit longer he's a juco guy um i think analytically it wasn't as strong of a prospect but, but from what everything i was seeing it's like he's gonna be a first round pick um you know the nfl loves this guy and so i think finding the disconnect between and i think Kadarius tony is another example actually the disconnect between i think what dynasty community what the dynasty community is looking for which is you know, early breakout, thanks to Sean in, in a large part, early breakout guys um, and guys who are coming out of the, the uh, out of college early. I think that it, those are really good rules to live by. I'm not like saying that's bad, but like where you can kind of find an edge is, um, I think, identifying guys that maybe the NFL is a little bit higher on than Dynasty. And, and I think, you know, that's also going to have there's, there's going to be mine. It's a minefield there too, because of course the NFL is not right about everything. But like when you have guys that are first round picks, generally they have much longer leash and um, in the NFL and they're going to get longer chance to, to produce. And I, so far, I think Ayuk has been good. Obviously we had the hiccup at the beginning of last year um, where he was in the doghouse. It sounds like he's out of that. And and I think his trajectory is strong now again. And then with, with Kadarius Tony, like he's looked really good in the very limited amount of time he's been playing. Um, and with both of those guys, I think the key here is um, they both had, I think, extenuating circumstances enough where you can kind of explain away why they didn't come out early or why they didn't produce early in their careers, if that makes sense. And I think um, those are the types of players I'm sort of looking for. I, I'm not like taking them early, early in drafts, but that's I think that's where you can kind of find like value in like the second round is like looking for those types of guys where um, and, the, and the other thing I was going to actually mention, too, is um speaking of you know, like dynasty twitter and dynasty community is very much a hive mind in a lot of ways and what i'd try and look for at least to identify some guys that maybe shouldn't have fallen quite as far as they are in drafts is players that are really high on people's boards and really people are really excited about before all the 
pre-draft stuff like the combine senior ball that stuff and then have fallen really precipitously throughout that process like i'm scooping those guys up because like the reason people liked them before is because their tape is really good and they're good players right but then like they ran a slow 40 or whatever um and people are like "Ah, i can't take him in the second round And, and so i'm scooping these guys up in the third um and hoping that they they turn out that way so those those are some of my strategies again i'm not doing that every time but um I think in, in the pre-draft rookie drafts, those are some of the, the ways I think you can kind of find a little bit of an edge is, is trying not to like fall too in too much into like the group think stuff. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout it gives you full access to all of our content and tools and again that's rv radio 2022 at checkout for 10 percent off a one-year rotoviz subscription enjoy the podcast we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The next thing I wanted to ask about is when we look at, you know, the emphasis on certain positions. So in dynasty leagues, particularly, sometimes players might need a running back. They may not have a running back at that point, and they may kind of try and force that piece into that hole to make sure that the roster for week one looks good rather than thinking the longer term picture. When you're looking at rookie drafts, are you emphasizing certain positions over others? Are you going just for, you know, where you think this player's long-term potential is? Are you looking at year one versus year three, for example? And, and how are you attacking some of those rookie drafts? And for this question, we'll, we'll hold it first to non-super flex, so we'll, we'll make yeah. it um, I think generally speaking, and this is how I build my teams mostly, is, is I focus heavily on receivers because I think, um, you know, in addition to, I think they're just, they, they have longer careers, um, there's like a wider range of, of outcomes. You can, if you have a bunch of really good receivers on your team, I think it gives you a, a bigger window for when you're going to be able to compete. They're also, I think more, uh, 
they're more tradable. I'm not like a huge trade. I don't do a ton of trades. Like I just find like trade negotiating kind of like tedious, um, which is why, by the way, I'm on a lot of teams with Scott Barrett, who's really good at trading because <clears throat> he does all the trade work. And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds good. Like I, I just can't <laughs> I don't have the patience to do trade negotiations, which is probably why I'm terrible at trading. Um, but I think they're more like liquid assets in the sense that like you could trade a young receiver for pretty much anything. Whereas like if you have a, a older, like Ezekiel Elliott, I think is a good example. Like it's hard to trade him right now because you have to have a very specific trade partner. It's like the Russell Wilson trade. Like the, the CX could have got a lot more if he hadn't had a trade uh, clause in, in his contract where he could like veto trades. Basically, it, it came down to like there's one or two teams that they could trade him to. And that like lowers your ability to like get teams against each other and that kind of thing. So um, I think that's how I build my teams in, in general. I like to, um, you know, build with a lot of receivers, have a lot, a lot of those guys. And then you can trade them for, you know, in, in certain cases, you can trade them for like established running backs, guys like Javante Williams or, or you know, some of these lower level, like starting running backs, maybe David Montgomery or something like that. If you, if you're contending in that, in that year. Um, but then of course, like early on in the first, like I'll, I'm definitely willing to take, you know, some of the elite running backs early on in the first round. I'm not like totally looking past those guys, but generally speaking, I, all everything else considered, I'll probably take a running or a receiver over a running back just because um, of the career length and, and, and everything around those guys. I just like to have those guys on my roster a little bit more. I do recognize that, having an elite running back is um, a game changer, but I think it's also harder to find those guys. Yeah, I think so. Uh, my approach will be very similar to what you've talked through there. In terms though, if we look at Superflex, then are you kind of looking the same way unless it's a quarterback that you really think has long-term prospects or, or how yeah. are you feeling with Superflex? Yeah, I think, you know, I go back to the draft where um, Justin Herbert was falling in the first round and there were so many times I could have drafted Justin Herbert. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn it. Why did I take whoever over Justin Herbert? But generally speaking, like it's the same deal. Quarterbacks are so um, it's so hard for them to like actually have to develop into like an elite player. There's just so, so many misses at that position. I know it's a little bit better nowadays, um, but like even I was even like passing up a lot on, on Zach Wilson, you know, even though he's the second overall pick, it's just like I, I wasn't a completely sold. Um, on him as a prospect. And I think it's still like the, the jury's definitely still out on that. Um, they're not generally speaking, they're not as uh, useful early in their career uh, as running backs and, and receivers. But of course, if you don't have a quarterback in Superflex, like you're screwed. So um, there's a balance there. And I think um, I would say I'm more on the side of like trading for a veteran like Kirk Cousins than taking a rookie quarterback in the rookie draft. So that's just kind of how I am um, at how I attack like rookie drafts i just think it's it's nerve-wracking to take a quarterback that early yeah and uh, i i was about to kind of say that i would probably like sometimes to take that opportunity on the the guys as they get older we're seeing these quarterbacks play for much much longer you know the, the window used to start to close at, at 32 and now you know <laughs> the window with like tom brady and Aaron Rodgers is 40 years or yes. Brady, nearly 45 years old so you know you can get some of these guys um a little bit cheaper so a way to look at it so when we touched there you talked about the wide receivers we looked about the way to maybe try and value running backs and early in the, the start of the round. And then we talked about super flex and kind of didn't change a huge amount for you there, but are there some exploitable elements in these rookie drafts? I think you might already touch on one of your key ones already when you said 
the players that drop from pre-draft or pre-combine to post-combine is there any other exploitable elements in rookie drafts for you um i think and sean i think you've been a proponent of this too it's like throwing darts at ridiculous athletes or elite producers so like for instance if you have an elite producer who's just at a lower level like the odds are that person that player is a good player um elijah mitchell is the guy that comes to mind like he was an elite athlete and an elite producer at the college level um for whatever reason people weren't super high on him i think it's probably because he was playing at a lower level um but then he comes in he's the second running back picked in his own team and he still is the starter so like you take shots on guys like that later on um and then another guy that comes to mind for this question is like a guy like aj Dillon, who i think that the dynasty community community was pretty split on him um there was definitely a lot of people that didn't really like aj Dillon, like kind of viewed him as a big plotter who can't catch and I scooped up a bunch of AJ Dillon because I'm like, this guy is the closest athlete to Derrick Henry that we've seen, really. Um, I know that he's not Derrick Henry, but like he's 250 pounds. He runs like a four five or whatever. And he's I think he's pretty agile and graceful as a runner. They can teach him how to catch in theory, hopefully. And I think he's been, actually been a pretty good uh, you know, receiver relative to certainly relative to what people thought he would be. So um you know, you're not going to hit on all those players, but I think AJ Dillon, I was getting AJ Dillon in like the third round of rookie drafts and super flex rookie drafts. And so I'm like scooping that guy up every time. Um, so take throwing darts at ridiculous athletes, I think is kind of like what I'm getting to um, because just the odds that they're going to turn into an, an NFL caliber player are better. Antonio Gibson, another example, um, Chase Claypool, another example, I think are, are guys that fell because they didn't have strong analytical profiles, um, but just, elite elite athletes that teams want to give the ball to and so i think those are kind of guys you can take shots on again it's not going to have have a a high hit rate but i think it's better than than probably going for a guy with like a lower floor i guess and so those are kind of um things that i look for like when you're getting into like the tougher decisions that like who to take in the third and fourth round those are i think good edges that you can keep in mind yeah i really like that to target players who do have some big standout element, even if obviously there are some warts on their resume <laughs> right. or they wouldn't still be at that point. Danny, obviously you're there, you're watching these guys, you know, figuring out which running backs can make the, the players miss, which wide receivers have that run after the catch ability and these other abilities. You're in there and you have such a great familiarity with the college players. How does that element translate to rookie draft strategy in terms of subsequent seasons how much right. are you placing on sort of players you know are going to come along in future years and how that plays into how you want to not only manage your rookie draft but construct your team in general to be totally honest it doesn't really factor all that much i know that i probably should have a wider view of like the 2023 class is renowned obviously already as like going to be really good so people are very excited about that um and, and when that is like the buzz or like the scuttlebutt, maybe I'm not like looking to trade my 2023 like firsts very much or whatever. But like that's about the limit of what I'll put on it, because I think every year the class turns out to be something different than what people think it's going to be. It, that's just kind of like how it always seems to, to happen. Um, and so the other thing is like and this is maybe me channeling like my inner mike shanahan nihilist or whatever but i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna be doing in two years like I, i'm not looking forward that far like i i, I want instant gratification <laughs> i want to put players on my team now i'm just too impatient i think to like 
for instance, like trade a bunch of 2022 firsts for 2023 first. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be alive in 2023. I don't want to like wait that long. I'm too late. I'm too, uh, I'm too impatient. I just want to do, I want instant gratification now. So that's probably not like the sharp way to do it, but that's just kind of how I do it. And also, um, I'm not, I actually don't do Devi leagues or anything like that. I'm, I'm not, um, I think sharp enough to know. I, I guess I know my limitations on like, I, I don't have a strong grasp on like what the 2023, 2024 class is looking like at this point. Um, I probably should do that going forward. Um, and I've had a few invites to get into Debbie leagues, but I just haven't had like the bandwidth to do it really, to be honest. So um, that's, I, I just don't really approach it that way. I'm kind of just like, you know, living for the now and, and um, keeping, I, I guess like one eye on like the next year, but like not really anything further down the line. Well, I mean, you could be in charge of your own NFL team at this point of year from now. <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, you'd have to give up some of these dynasty leagues. <laughs> playing for the future wouldn't matter. Danny, we know that one of the main ways to win your rookie draft, to win your early draft, to win your dynasty leagues is to buy the ringer draft guide. Tell us what other yeah. types of things you're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks and months. What should we look for? How yeah. can people in with you? Yeah, so the Ringer NFL Draft Guide, uh, that is nfldraft.theringer.com. You can check that out. I've got my top 50 up, and I'm going to have – eventually we get up to the top 100. Um, and then I I will be putting out my Dynasty rookie ranks, um, I believe, if not before the draft, right after the draft. So people that are doing uh, you know rookie drafts in the summer um, can use that, utilize that. Um, and then, of course, just a bunch of mock drafts uh, in, the, in the pipe. And then also I host two days a week the NFL Draft – show sorry the ringer nfl draft show which is a offshoot of the ringer fantasy football draft uh ringer fantasy football uh show uh, sorry this we switched names <laughs> during the draft season and i can never get it it is the ringer nfl draft show which is also on the ringer fantasy football show feed so it's essentially the same show but we just kind of like switch gears during the off season um so yeah check that out yeah, and uh, for anyone who's listening to this, I'm sure they've already checked out. You were on last week with the uh, flagship show here on Rotoviz Radio, and you did go through the, the rookie guide there as well. So uh, I'll give a shameless plug for the Rotoviz YouTube channel when you're doing that. That show was uh, streamed over there, so head on over and check it out. We do have a contest running this week as well on my Twitter feed and in today's show notes. You can find out more information about that. You just have to subscribe to the Rotoviz YouTube channel to enter. You can win yourself an FFPC $125 tournament entry as always you can get yourself a listeners only 10 percent discount to rotaviz nfl pass using the code rv radio 2022 at checkout go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information that's going to bring us to the end of today's edition of the show we will be back on saturday and danny will be joining us for that show as well if you haven't already head on over follow danny on twitter it's at danny b kelly and of course you can check out all his work up at the ringer as well that is going to take us to the end of the Thursday edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. And until we're back with another show, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtomorrow. And my co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of his work on rotaviz.com. And until next time, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>